to Eye on the Ball. This is Garrett Rands. Strap on your bike helmets, put on your face mask, your knee pads, and your elbow pads. You're going to go outside today, and we're going to talk about uh, something called safetyism. I'm here with Pastor Tim Everett, my good friend, and we've we've been having this discussion for a while and joking, and you, you see a lot of Generation Xers uh, making fun of millennials and how they're raised and the differences and oh, yeah. that sort of thing. And so we're going to talk about safetyism today. Welcome, Pastor Tim. Uh, oh, what is well, How would you define safetyism if you had to you know, put words to it? I think we've reached a point where I can define it religiously, you know, that it's the idolatry of placing the value of being safe, you know, above all other values, you know, that safety is the number one priority. And, you know, so we're talking about a religion here, talking about a worldview, talking about an ideology that is dominant in our society and really has gradually changed what culture what society looks like from when i was a kid you know growing up in the 60s oh there's no doubt it looks different uh idolatry wow that Mm -hmm. that's uh that's kind of powerful that makes me feel better about myself probably than i should be Mm -hmm. Uh, makes me want to point fingers at people wearing a face mask in their car by themselves and go idolater uh i know that's not right but that's (laughs) that uh that well you know right the bible defines idolatry as another before. Really, the word adultery and idolatry are the same. Adultery, putting someone else above your spouse. Idolatry is putting someone else above God. And so here we're looking at God being replaced by government, or you know, government is the highest power. If God's not the highest power, then, then government is. So government regulations replaces God's Word, the Bible. So, uh, so really, I don't think we're exaggerating too much when we look at at these issues as being idolatry, another before. You know, we're replacing a culture of um, that was theistic with one that's anthropomorphic. You know, it's man-centered, not God-centered. So um, it's um, the idea that we live in a society where being f- safe is priority. Um, yeah, we're choosing freedom is, freedom is freedom gone. Is People gone. would rather right. be safe. Right, right. right. It, when we have the, the choice of liberty and and uh, security, we're choosing security. And that's that's hard for a guy like me that grew up as an adrenaline junkie, right? I mean, you know, yeah. we ramped bikes off of barns and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah. uh, always wanted to go skydiving and, uh, you know, spent a lot of time surfing and skateboarding and, you know, all of these things. Oh, yeah. No safety gear whatsoever. Yeah. Um, you know, and uh, of course, as an adult now, it uh, I can look back at, at those times and go, yeah, maybe I should have had a helmet on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. but we, we didn't and we didn't worry about it. And, and of course, now as a parent, it's... I can see the argument that a lot of people make in safety in terms of well, sure, you, you yeah. Know, it, you don't want your you don't want to see your kids hurt, right? Um, but there there does have to be a point at which it's just too much. The perspective toward parents whose children get hurt have changed. For example, when I was um, say a preschooler living in the country out of Alderada, I watched one show every week, and it was Tarzan. And so we acted out that show during the week, and we had. Big, tall oak trees in our yard. And while mother was inside either cleaning house or, you know, she may have been watching her favorite movie, Drinking Tab. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, us kids were out, and we were literally in the tops of trees. We were scampering around in the tops of oak trees like squirrels. We were playing Tarzan. You know, we were swinging off of vines, uh, trying to imitate, you know, our hero. And the difference... A couple of differences as I think about my childhood and my grandkids' childhood today. If I'd have fallen from one of those trees, the community would have rushed in support of mom 
in this accident that took place that cost her her son's life. Um, today, the whispers of, you know, would you know she. Can you she believe she was letting her right her her children act that way? Or or when we went on a vacation, you know, my favorite seat in the Galaxy Five Hundred was back behind the back windshield. You know, I would lay up there as we'd make that long trip across Texas or wherever we was going. And of course, if we hit anything, I'd been like a flying projectile, you know, out of that car. And and the people would have rushed to my dad in sympathy for losing a son in an accident. Where today, again, he'd be charged and condemned and it was kind of like you're getting what you deserve so uh, when a, a building falls on the beach in Miami there has to be some scientific explanation for it it's interesting that that climate change has been one of the examples given as to why that building fell there's no accidents anymore um yeah, we and, and a, and we people are, live in a bubble. Yeah, yeah, and they're choosing. Somebody's they got to be responsible. Somebody's got to be punished. You know, when someone dies, when the scripture says it's appointed unto man once to die, and then the judgment. You know, we have always lived in the reality of death, but now we live in a death-defying age uh, where we, um, the reality of aging and death, are not a part of this ideology. If we could only practice the the regulations that are put before us and practice good science, then we can def- defy death. You know, we can live a safe life. Yeah, that's that's interesting and scary and uh, wow. Okay, yeah. so uh, that, that's a pretty good definition. Yeah. Um, so you, you, you say that it's almost like a religion. This is this is idolatry. This is like a religion in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, is, there, is there something that you can kind of point to as an example for that? Yeah, um, it's the triumph of the secular over the sacred. Um, you know, the idea that, um, again, man is in control of his destiny. We've replaced um, the idea of eternity with the temporal. You know, we're not living for the next life. There's no idea of give me liberty, give me death, that, you know, we'll sacrifice our earthly life for an eternal life, or we'll sacrifice our personal life for ensuing generations. You know, the idea of sacrifice. So, you know, the idea of sacrificing yourself, putting yourself in danger uh, so that others can benefit, so that people can stay free, so that we can, uh, realizing that the payoff for us as Christians is not necessarily in this world, but the next, you know, it's just the triumph. I mean, the idea of, of safetyism as a religion is the triumph of the, the secular over the sacred. Um, again, it's the triumph of government regulations over principles of common sense. Uh, what is that? We don't even know what that is anymore, right? Yeah, I mean, common, common sense, sense is gone. Right. Yeah, uh, just like when we see people. Sorry, if you, if you're the one that that does this, I, I I do apologize. I don't mean to hurt your feelings, but if you're in your car by yourself and you're wearing a mask during this time of COVID, um, explain to me the science behind that. That that makes there is no <laughs> right. common sense to that, right? And as far as I know, there's no science to that as well. Yeah. Um. And so we we've we've taken actions. It seems like we've taken actions towards this safety. Without thinking about whether or not there, there's there's any proof, we're just going to take someone's word that this is a good idea mm-hmm. instead of thinking about it for ourselves or doing research on our own, you know. And that's that's scary that we're placing such a value on safety mm-hmm. that we would wear a mask when yeah. we're by ourselves, or you know. And I, I see this too. I see people that are outside in the sunshine by themselves, three hundred yards from the nearest person, 
mm-hmm. and they're wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going, are, are you afraid that COVID lives on the side of this building and is waiting to jump out and get you? You know, like what is the, what is your reason for, for doing this? Um, and, you, you think of, that's a great example. And here's another one. Think about how condemned a, a pregnant woman is for smoking and drinking, you know, during her pregnancy. And again, if anything's wrong at birth, a lot of times we think, what did the mother do wrong? But, Are they a drug user? But, yeah, yeah, drug smoker. user, whatnot, smoker, making bad choices. And, and, you know, mothers who are pregnant should make good choices. But look at how the choice of aborting a child is champion, as being bravery. You know, so the same society that would condemn a mother for smoking and drinking while she's pregnant might congratulate her for making the choice of aborting that baby because she's um, she's a champion that. of her own body. You know, the idea that a woman has the right to do with her own body. What you know, she doesn't have the right to smoke or drink when she's pregnant. Society would say, but if she wants to abort that baby, but she has congratulated a right, to murder. a right to murder. So that's how wow. hypocritical. That's how. Uh, nonsensical idolatry is yes, sin makes us stupid, and thinks about think about how stupid we've become and the lack of common sense and and um, and, and you know I I was gr- I grew up in a, uh, a a religion's home where we were told not to drink or smoke for religious reasons um, for um, you know the idea that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit so and that was a big thing back in the sixties and seventies because nearly everybody smoked you know back right. in the sixties so uh, really and your dad the was church, a pastor for those that yeah, don't know right, your dad, dad was a right, pastor was a, was a Baptist preacher and so um, we were on the the vanguard of growing up condemning smoking but it was for spiritual reasons but we believed that what was best spiritually was also best physically and it was a choice that we were making it wasn't um, the nanny state, you know, the government condemning it or having to make a decision. So, uh, and then smoking, smoking is a great example of how science has been propagandized for a cause. Um, the 50, what, what is it? 50,000 um, Americans die every year from exposure to secondhand smoke is probably nonsense. According to good science, there may be some, yeah, dependent, but we right. don't. I mean, it, it, it's like it's blamed for everything, right? right. I mean, if you're yeah. oh, oh, you got lung cancer, well, then you're you're definitely a victim of secondhand smoke. Who smoked in your life that you were around? Yeah, you know, oh, oh, you worked at a restaurant for two years. Oh, that did it. You, you know, yeah, it's I a see statistic that's hard to prove, and so um, you can claim it if you're trying to get rid of a nuisance. And and I don't think Hurley, I, I would hate. To sit down next to a table of smokers at the restaurant or be on yeah, the I mean, plane with smokers, I and I don't smoke. want it. It's it's a nuisance. But uh, look at how persecuted smokers have been. You know, we drive by a building in the winter, and they're huddled up just outside the property in a little designated smoking area and whatnot. So that loss of of the freedom's right to choose to smoke, to me, that's sort of the canary in the cave that's gonna. And Tim is not a smoker, by the way. Yeah, I'm not I've a smoker. My whole right. life, he's right. never been a smoker. Smoke. And I still don't smoke or drink. And uh, um, even though I don't really have a, um, a biblical reason for being a teetotaler, it's my choice. You know, I use the examples about not being a stumbling block and all that. So, but it's a to me, it's a common sense personal decision. It's not a decision for the nanny state, you know, to make about us. And, and and there's just one rule, you know, after another. It's just a triumph of government regulations over principles of common sense. And uh, again, it champions this life over the next. Um, 
the, the Bible's very clear that since we've left Eden that it's appointed unto man once to die. You know, that, that death is the inevitability. It's the st- statistic of one out of one. <laughs> you know, all of us Absolutely. are going to die. And we're all taxed, too, by the way. Yeah, we're all – yeah, taxes and death, right. Um, and so I think that that the, the nanny state and the, the secular state of safetyism defies the reality of death. Uh, they found um, what they think to be the world's oldest sermon, Christopherson – it sounds like Christopherson, like the uh, – the singer, but Chris uh, Christopherson. Yeah, oh, Chris yeah. Christopherson. He's a favorite of my father. <laughs> right. But uh, Chrysostom or something like that. He was, he was, his word means golden voice. And he was um, a preacher back, you know, 1500 years ago. So they found uh, one of his sermons, they think it's the oldest non biblical sermon. And he wrote a sermon on the importance of Christians uh, not mourning too much at the, the funeral of, of a believer. You know, that it ought to be a time of celebration. It ought to be a time of joy. And uh, back then, martyrs were championed for the choice that they were make to live for the next life, to be willing to sacrifice this life for the next. Uh, safetyism uh, defies a choice to, to, to live sacrificially and to there live dangerously. There was no safety at that time. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was no such thing as safety. Right, I, yeah. And, and you visit a, a, a graveyard today, and you see – you know, these tragic examples of, of these children that moms and dads lost in Pioneer America. I mean, you see, you know, their tombstone, and then you see these little small tombstones. And, you know, I think about um, my mom's mother and daddy who lost two of their nine children. Uh, but, and it was the first two. You know, their first child was, uh, looked like he was, she was born perfectly, but she was stillborn. And uh, the second child died of the Spanish flu when she was three. But then they went on to have seven more children. They went on to have a full life. Uh, no doubt, you know, mother said that she can remember her dad grieving the loss of, of uh, this little three-year-old girl. But it didn't stop them from continuing to, to live. It didn't stop them from continuing their lives. It didn't stop them from having children. And today we see in this fearful society that we live in where uh, marriage is being postponed, um, having children are, is being postponed or, or maybe even – you know, people are afraid to bring a child into this world. So even with all of our safety regulations, it's not giving us a real sense of security. I've got a distant cousin that is uh, choosing to get married uh, at the end of this month uh, because from a time perspective, it, w- it makes sense for them to move in together. Mm-hmm. And they were not going to do that unless they were married. So they already had a wedding date that was planned, I think, in October. But they're going to go ahead and get married at the justice of the peace, so that so that they're staying biblical for their you know they they've, they've made that, that choice, yeah. and and you know it, it, it I know maybe for their parents it was maybe a little bit awkward at times part of that, but for me when I heard it when they told me I was excited because I'm like hey I'm so proud of the fact that you're honoring God and you're honoring marriage Amen. and and yeah. you're you're not playing it safe in in terms of. Uh, we're just going to go ahead and move in together like everybody else does, and we'll get married in October just like we've planned, um, and, and just taking this one little additional step to, to, to honor God and to honor marriage, uh, it, it really excited me. But, you know, sadly, too many people, um, for convenience reasons or mm-hmm. for safety reasons or whatever, they just throw anything that they've been taught mm-hmm. away and go, oh, that, that, that doesn't make sense to us, so we're not going to do it. Uh, forget the fact that that's what God wants, you know, yeah. and that's, 
And, and that kind of goes along with the safety. So uh, changing topics a little bit, and if you need to go back and revisit something, that's fine. Our response to COVID as a nation, as a whole, um, I mean, obviously we needed to do something. I mean, this is a, a severe pandemic. I, I've, um, my parents have lost some friends. Um, there have been numerous people in our community that, that have died of COVID. I actually lost uh, a, a mentor at a I mean, she was 58 years old Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there were risk factors that were there, but I mean, that's, that's an early, an early loss of life, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, we, we've seen this response that we had with a total shutdown with wearing masks, with closing businesses. And I, I still feel that we had an overreaction to it. Yes. Uh, it's hard for me to, to look at what we did and say, we should have done more or we could have done more. Because I don't think it would have helped. I mean, ultimately, this is a virus. This is, um, it, it, it's weird to say that viruses are more powerful than we are, but it's the truth. I mean, they find a way. They mutate. They, um, they exist in such a microscopic level that, you know, uh, they go through masks. They go through other, you know, other mediums. And they're going to find a way to survive. And, you know, the vaccinations that we've had, the push that we've had for vaccinations, I'm not against anyone who makes a choice. I, I believe in yeah. freedom. If you make a choice to not have a vaccine, I respect that choice. I personally got it. Um, my wife mm-hmm. works in the medical field. I know mm-hmm. she's around it all day, every day. Yeah. And I knew that she was going to be bringing it home to me if, if I didn't do something, you know. And and so I wanted to take the vaccine. My, my wife took the vaccine. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it for kids at this point, uh, you know, and, and, but for anybody that chooses statistically to, COVID is still less dangerous for children than the flu. Right. And the idea I think behind vaccinating the children is still not for their benefit, but for the benefit, benefit of, of yeah, the whole, it's right. like for those who, who for grandparents and what, right. And for those that choose not to get the vaccine. But isn't the, it interesting that it seems like children and healthy people are making the sacrifices for the elderly and the ill with COVID. I mean, that, that's what's been but a game I'm okay changer. With yeah, yeah. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with the fact that, yeah, I'm healthy. It probably, you know, I didn't really have any other risk factors. Mm-hmm. If I'd have gotten COVID, I, pro- I probably would have been sick, but probably not hospitalized because my wife would have recognized, you know, the symptoms and we would have gotten a test and I would have gotten a treatment and it would have been probably early. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't mind making the sacrifice and for me, it meant I got to, I got to go see my ninety three year old grandmother, mm-hmm. who didn't want to take the vaccine. Right? Who I'm I'm not I'm not going to tell somebody that's ninety three that they need to do something. Right? I mean, yeah. if, if their physician wants to tell them that, that's fine. But I wasn't going to tell her that. But because I was vaccinated, and because the, all of us in the family were vaccinated, we we were able to go see her and not have mm-hmm. any yeah. thoughts that hey, we we may be <laughs> seeing her for the last time because we're going to take COVID to her. But making, you know, you're able to make that decision for yourself. And, right. and the whole point of, of this podcast is not to say that we shouldn't make decisions that, that help lead to safe life, but it's the idea that, that regulation shouldn't force us to give up our liberties. So, you know, think, think about how the sacrifices children have made during COVID. Um, you know, shutting down their schools for a year. Terrible. Uh, yeah. So so they're forced to make a say. Uh, the, the safety of the, the parents, I mean, the safety of the, of the teachers has come before the needs of the children. We grew up in a society where adults made sacrifices for children. Right. You know, for leaders make sacrifices for uh, constituencies. But we've reversed everything hypothetically. And so now we've re- we turned everything around. So, you know, so kids have had to make this great sacrifice during COVID. So it makes us wonder, 
um, you know, who's priority, you know, among us? You know, is it our elderly with, I'm talking about myself now, you know, we who um, have money and whatnot and who have um, um, a loud voice, or our children, uh, or, and then, you know, we go back even to the unborn, you know, you have no voice at all. So, you know, safetyism, first of all, looks out for the loudest voice. It looks out for the, the one who's paying their way. We're looking out for the politicians. For the politicians. That's what you're saying. Looking out, yeah, looking out for the powerful. You know, it's not so much it, 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 for, the, for the victim. Um, yeah, the idea of individuals making their own choices is not what powerful politicians want. Mm-hmm. They want to make the decisions for us yeah. because it gives them more power, yeah. and they think that they're all-knowing and smarter than we are. Yeah, And, you know, like my mother-in-law died uh, in isolation in COVID, not from COVID-related illness, but she was in a nursing home. So she had that terrible, lonely last year of her life, and she would have chosen the – she would have been able to risk the gamble of being infected by grandkids to have had them around her this last year of her life. And that's a great point. I mean, what, you know, uh, yeah. Yeah. She, so had the, safe, she had the idea. I'm ready to go over. to heaven. You know, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go to heaven, but, um, isolating her for her own good, uh, in my opinion was not in her best interest. And maybe that's what, I mean, maybe that's what ended her life was the loneliness and the, you yeah, know, the, the, the loss ex- of exasperated. Spirit. Yeah. The, the process. So it just leads us to making, you know, unwise and, and decisions that aren't, um, aren't common sense one. And, and I think that COVID has been the great example of, you know, COVID didn't produce the religion of safetyism, but it demonstrated how far we've come down that path. And we've been so quick to turn over First Amendment rights. You know, that, that's why we never, we only had two weeks that we didn't have church during COVID season. And, and I didn't um, want anybody to choose to come to church feeling that, they were unsafe or whatnot, but I wanted to give people that option. So we kept the church open because, you know, the First Amendment right of assembly is so important to me. And and it was hard for me to close our church knowing that the persecuted church around the world, people were were putting their lives at great risk in order to to assemble with fellow believers. And if we're letting a disease that have, has less than a 1% chance of being fatal, if you catch it, you know, keep us out of church. If we're, if our our personal freedom of assembly means that little to us, then we're so susceptible to to Satan's strategy to close us down, and so susceptible to losing our our free speeches. I think about the 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 media, how they were so pro, you know how propagandized we were by the media this past year. Yeah, the media ruled. It, it, it really wasn't even the politicians, right? Because yeah, I mean, the, there was there were some decisions that were made. Um, that uh, I think would have been beneficial, but the media killed them. Yeah, they killed those. Decisions. I mean, even our president, you know, right. was censored, and so the censorship of you know from from high tech, from Facebook and Twitter, and all these kinds of things these past years just shows us how vulnerable we are to losing the first assembly of rights of speech. Yeah, that's and that's so sad that we allow something like media to control and have that much power over us. So kind of next question moving on, how has society changed by by kind of evangelizing uh, to religion and safetyism? You know, one example is I call it the adolescence of uh, of our young adults and uh, today, I mean, 
they've been this this millennial generation that's been raised to um, live under such regulations and restrictions has not made them feel more safe. It's made them more fearful. It's made and, them feel more and, like a victim. Yeah, and it, and it's postponed adulthood. You know, I mentioned the examples of when I was a child, you know, being able to climb trees. But you know, when my dad, my dad grew up in the Depression and in the the World War II era. So he left the farm, you know, as an eighteen-year-old. Uh, had a, a year of college before he went. Was drafted in World War II and went to Germany to fight. Uh, when, when my dad was twenty years of age, he had a, a year of college under his belt. He was married. He had a child. He had fought in World War II. Um, and there you are contrast so few. that yeah. to a twenty-year-old today. Uh, yeah. yeah, he was ready to begin his life. He was ready to take responsibilities for his life. Um, I think about the movies now, uh, the superhero super, superhero movies that are not written for eight and ten year old boys. You know, they're written for adults whose right who, whose maturity has been arrested. They're still, you know, yeah, by they're still children. Idea. Yeah, they're still children, right? And I and, like uh, the superhero movies just as much as anybody. But I, I do. I'm I'm yeah. not a comic book person. I don't live in, the, yeah, right. in my parents' basement. You know. Yeah. And if you do, and you're 20, that's okay. But uh, if you're 40, you know. Yeah, but what happened? Yeah, you know, my, my but my 35 year old dad, you know, would have thought it's so silly to be looking forward to the next superhero movie to come out or. Are they even the concept of playing video games as a 35-year-old right. who had had the responsibilities that he had? He, you know, he really did grow up in a life-and-death situation. Of, uh, you had to work to eat, um, you know, with the Depression. You had to fight to, to hold on to your liberties. Um, we've lived in this bubble now, and we're not producing more secure children. We're producing children that are too afraid to— uh, take risk and that risk of marriage, that risk of having children, that risk of of um, choosing a god, a job, and staying with it. And yeah, it's, it's, it seems like we're producing children that are number one, they feel that they're a victim. Uh, number two, they're, they've been sold that their only way of safety in in job is to have mm-hmm. more education, and more education does not bring more safety. Possibly at one time it brought you more choices. I'm not sure that it does that now, yeah. especially when I compare it to, to trades, right? I mean, uh, in the generation like your father that at 18 or 19 or 20 years old, yeah, they're married. They've got a family. They've got a job. They're able to support their family. And there has been a loss of blue-collar jobs in our society, mm-hmm. particularly at plants, and that you know a lot of our production has moved overseas. But there are still a lot of trades that you can as an 18, 19, 20 year old that you can get and, and support a family. And as a female, man, if you're, if you're 18, 19, 20 year old female and you have a trade that you're skilled at, you're going to have no problem getting a job in, in our society. But I think that they're being told otherwise. I think that they're being told, Oh, because you're female, you're not going to make as much money. And I know that some people experience that at, at, at different levels, certainly maybe at the the vice president of a corporation or, or CEO of a corporation level. But when we talk about being able to provide for a family or make a living for yourself mm-hmm. and support yourself, I think the the ability of an 18, 19, 20-year-old that knows a trade is probably more than it's ever been. I mean, um, you know, talking to someone yesterday that, that's in the, the heating and air conditioning business, that is a, um, a service manager cannot hire enough people to work in the business right now. Mm-hmm. 
another problem because of COVID and mm-hmm. and because of supplies, they also can't get heating and air conditioning units in the Dallas Fort Worth area, mm-hmm. yeah. which is scary. But yeah. so they can't hire people and they can't get all the units that they need. So there's more work out there right. than is than is than is being done because of this need for safety that we've had. We're still experiencing the effects of COVID in in terms of work. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean it, it. It has been sold almost like a religion. Oh, yeah, you, like you the know. religion of um, of safetyism in America champions social justice for our people, but we oppress people overseas to produce our project, our you know our products for right. Us. It's okay for the children in China yeah, to work China, and make our right, shoes. Or the Uyghurs are to be enslaved, yeah. and you know we talk about reparations for slavery over here while we support slavery over there, and so there's just this this hope. House of Cards, this hypocrisy of safetyism, the idea that, that we're in control and that when there's an accident, we want to ask whose fault is this? You know, somebody needs to be sued. You know, somebody needs to be held responsible. Or, you know, government doesn't have enough regulations in place. Uh, we fix, um, you know, one-time natural disaster with policies and regulations uh, to try to you, know, you can't go back and rewrite history. It doesn't fix what happened. You know, the next thing that happens may be a surprise to us. But, uh, but you know, I, I think you know how do how do we how do we overcome? Yeah, how do we fix? This? Yeah, how do we fix this? It's 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 a revival. You know, back to the the biblical traditional values that teach you know this common sense approach to life and death, and then for believers, the belief in the the afterlife, the belief that we're you know when we're born again, when we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, that we acknowledge that there's going to be a physical death, but we also acknowledge that there'll be a resurrection, you know, for those in Christ. So um, Psalms, Psalms 91 is, uh, talks about how he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. You know, there, there's a sense that we're not in control completely of our destiny, that we do live east of Eden and that this life will end in death, but we put our faith and trust that a God is sovereign, you know, that God's in control. And so he talks about how in this psalm that he will deliver us from the snare of the fowler. Uh, he'll cover us with his wings. In his wings we'll find refuge, kind of like a mother hen that's protecting her chicks. And uh, we'll not fear the terror of the night nor the arrow that flies by day, that we'll have a, a spiritual sense of security in the context of physical danger, we'll have the spiritual sense of security that God's in control. And so and, I'm much more comforted by the a sovereignty of God as a than the sovereignty of the state. Amen. And you know, would you say this thinking about this as you as you read that, and I'm I'm thinking about uh, the writer of that psalm and the time that they would have lived in would have been much more dangerous than the time that we live in now. Oh, yes. I mean, they would have had all the same problems that we have, worried about, you know, things for your children like child abduction and, you know, all of these sorts of things. But Mm -hmm. in addition to all of that, there was always the fear of war. There was always the fear of replacing a king or a king trying to kill you. In this case, possibly, I don't know if David wrote that psalm or not. It was life and death. You know, it was, every day was life Life and death. death. Right. And so they lived in a much more dangerous time and yet, there's the words of where of, of how we're to treat this. Yes, and yeah. and that that uh, that kind of blows my mind that here we are in already kind of the safest time in history that there has been, and yet we're more focused on safety and it and it taking our freedoms away. At what point does it 
go the other direction and people start becoming concerned about liberty again. Right, yeah. And, Which we're um, seeing in Cuba right now. Right now as we speak, I mean, there's, there's yeah. demonstrations and protests in Cuba because they're not concerned with their safety right now. They're concerned with their liberty. Yeah. And they're not protesting um, climate change. And they're not protesting <laughs> capitalism. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, if we don't fix this, it is a loss of liberties. And a loss of liberties doesn't lead to this utopian society of, of heaven on earth, some global government that's taking care of all of us and, and, um, and giving us a utopian experience on it. It leads to dystopianism. You know, the idea of um, surrendering personal responsibility and personal liberties, you know, to um, some benevolent ruler who turns out to be a despot, you know, who's really not looking out for our interests. He's, he's pretending to be a public service in order um, to lord over the public. And so, I mean, it comes down to that. It comes down, when, it, when it comes down to liberty, you know, freedom or security, we shouldn't so quickly trade, you know, our, our freedom for, for security, for today's security, because today's security can become tomorrow's nightmare. As you're going through that and you're talking about this, I think about career politicians. I think about politicians that have been, quote, public servants for 50 yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that they're more of a leech than they are of a servant. Oh, yeah, right. And, and we have one as our president right now, that it has been, quote, in public service for 50 years. Um, what are you able to do if you're not, if you're not reelected? You know, yeah. oh, oh, it's run for a different office. Oh, oh, you, yeah. you, you did this for 40 years. Now you're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And the idea that, that our founders had was that we, we, we preserve liberty. We, uh, we honor those that make a sacrifice Um, And and in the case of George Washington, you turn down a third term because you feel like it's wrong. Mm -hmm. And look, I know that we have good politicians. There are a few. It's a very small percentage, I know. But there there are some politicians that have been in office more than a couple of terms. Mm -hmm. And those uh, constituents in those areas may be very thankful for them. Uh, but as a whole, I think it's done oh, more yeah. harm than good. Oh, sure. And I, and I know, and, and there are, and there's a valid argument. Um, well, we technically have built in to our voting system term limits because anybody that's not doing a good job gets voted out. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the case or that that's really truth. I mean, I understand that argument mm-hmm. and that there is liberty yeah. there as opposed to having a law that we have a term limit. Uh, but for me personally, I would prefer the term limit and, and, and let's get people out of office that they've served two or three terms, it, it, it's time for you to go and do something else and support your family uh, as opposed to being a leech on our government and our taxpayers. I have to think that being a politician uh, may be, once you're elected, maybe one of the safest jobs in the world. I mean, apparently <laughs> yeah, you can get away with adultery. Security. You can <laughs> yeah. get away with lying. Yeah. Uh-huh. You can get away with perjury. You can get away with almost anything yeah. if you're an elected politician, mm-hmm. at least at a certain level. I mean, when it happens at a local level, that's When not you the shift case. from um, a sacred-based society to a secular base, you're exchanging lawyers for priest you know uh it's, it's not the priest it's not the pastor it's not the the holy man it's the it's the attorney and, the, and there's a lot of problems when the priests are in charge i mean i'm not getting around that there's a lot of hypocrisy when um yeah, it didn't work for the jews yeah right yeah and so but um you know that's where we are in our society we're, we're um it's all about regulations it's all about um rules and 
man-made law as opposed to you know the Bible, and we've replaced the the secular with the sacred. We've replaced the preacher with the with the politician, you know the the uh, the priest with the attorney. So now we're paying the price for it. Do yeah. you think that we're headed the way that Cuba is? Do you think we're going to end well, up sure. losing liberty yeah. and, until we get to a point? Yeah, where... without a revival. I mean, that's our choice. You know, Venezuela, Cuba. Um, you know, that's our future. And you know, the 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 left and the secularists they they're looking they look ahead to a, a um, unrealistic po- positive future of what if. Uh, conservatives like me look back, and we have a tendency to glamorize history. We have a tendency to sometimes gloss over, you know, the problems and whatnot. But basically, you know, as a conservative American, I'm looking back to our founding fathers, and I'm looking at the good decisions that they made. I'm looking to what I believe uh, is divine influence upon their lives. And so, you know, I look back with history, and I think this is God's story. This His story of what He's done with us. And and so, I'm as a conservative, I'm wanting to preserve those values that I think have made us the greatest nation in the world. Uh, at the, the meantime, I'm, I see the baton being passed, you know, to, to secularism and to a secular government and the highest power being the government. And, and, um, and we can just look back to the 20th century and see where this was done in the Soviet Union. It was done, you know, in Germany with Hitler. It was done with um, uh, China. And so we don't, you know, we don't have to be a great historian. We can just, you know, those of you know that are sixty-one like me can just look back at my life and see what's happened yeah, to societies that's that's moved in this direction. So it grieves us to see us making the same mistake today. Yeah, Amen. You know. All right, folks. Well, look, we've got uh, we've got a lot of problems we need to pray about. Amen. Uh, Pastor yeah. Tim, thank you very much for yeah. for sharing with us the uh, the religion of safetyism. Uh, which is really just scary. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be praying. Brothers and sisters, Mm -hmm. we need to be praying for our country, Mm -hmm. for our leaders, and for us as individuals that we don't buy into everything that we're being sold. Uh, And I think that there is uh, certainly a movement within the Christian community to be uh, woke in a different direction, (laughs) you know, as to what's really going on. And uh, one of the best ways to stay woke in the right way is to stay in the word of God Amen. and and what he says. And, and for every issue that we have, there is an answer that is there. Uh, it is uh, not yeah. just God's word. It is, it is also a wealth of wisdom that applies to every generation that Amen. there ever has Amen. been and ever will be. And so uh, we've got to spend our time. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus. Um, we need his wisdom. We need his guidance of, you know, of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we need help Amen. because we are headed uh, the way that so many other countries have headed, uh, taking God out and replacing it with government. So, Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. Good and being with you, Garrett. Listening. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next time.